Hello! Welcome to It's Her Game. A shout out to all the amazing women in the gaming industry, no matter if it's mobile, PC, console or esports. My name is Dominika Schott and my goal here is to introduce you to those inspiring heroines of the gaming world. If you want to find out more about the podcast, make sure you check Facebook page It's Her Game or connect with me on Twitter at Dominika Lodash Schott, spelling D-O-M-I-N-I-K-A Lodash S-Z-O-T. Also, don't forget to subscribe. And now, let's start! Welcome everyone! Today I have a great pleasure talking to Marilena Papakosta, born in Greece. Currently she is based in the UK, where she is head of brand marketing at Frontier Development. Previously she worked in the gaming industry at Koei Tecmo and the music sector in Sony. She is also a member of BAFTA and on the top of that, a great supporter and advocate of women in gaming industry. So it's a pleasure to have you on the show, Marilena. I am very, very happy to be here. And can I say, uh, you're one of the very few people that can pronounce my name perfectly. That's incredible. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I have like the strong, um, strong urge to go to Greece and I love everything about your country. And I had a friend from there, so I kind of get the accent, I guess. And I'm glad that you've, uh, you found it, you know, pronounced correctly. So all my pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So could you tell us a bit more about your current role? Absolutely. So um, I'm head of brand marketing at Frontier. I'm one of uh, of three uh, heads of brand marketing there. I lead a team of extraordinary, wonderful people, uh, and we care for um, a few of the games that Frontier is uh, developing and publishing. So the Planet Brands, so that's Planet Zoo, Planet Coaster, Jurassic World Evolution, and some other titles, uh, some of which uh, I can't speak of yet, but they're all super exciting. Amazing. So, um, you know, with so many on your plate, so much on your plate, how does your day normally look like? I believe 24 hours is not enough. <laughs> never, right? Exactly. <laughs> 24 hours is never enough. Exactly. Um, I, I always really like thinking about this because sometimes when I, you know, when we speak, I speak to people like um, in interviews uh, that they're were looking for a job at Frontier and they ask that question. I, I want to tell them that there's never a, one day has like looks nothing like the next. So there's there's always not really such thing as a as a normal day, but there are some things that are similar from one day to the next. So um, I'm just gonna kind of focus on those a bit. So one, um, uh, we speak to each other a lot. So we've got loads of calls with, uh, you know, with my own team, with the development teams, um, with other um, people throughout the business to connect. And it's very important to connect also in in these um, in this past year when we've all been working from home. So we've got that um, making sure we're on the same page, we're aligned, everything's moving. Um, we're talking about games a lot. So, you know, our games, other games that we like playing. So that that's kind of like a, <laughs> a baseline of, of every day. Yes. Um, we have loads of tea. Um, that's kind of like what you hear at the beginning and end of every every single uh, conversation. It's like, oh, I just made a cup of tea. It's like, oh, I'm going to go make a cup of tea or coffee. So you've you've got that. Um, and uh, and there's a lot of um, there's a lot of planning ahead. You know what we're going to do next. What you know what what kind of blockers we've got on the way. How we can solve them. So there's a lot of creative uh, problem solving and and a lot of um, I guess. Uh, 
you know, a lot of things where when they happen in the week, when you've got a launch or an announcement, you, you kind of get that out of the way and then you take a breath, you relax and you're like, yes, we did it. It was great. And I just kind of look at the, um, the result of it. And then the next question is like, okay, so what are we doing next? Uh, yeah. So that's, <laughs> that's kind of it. You know, it's not, it's not so much a, I mean, the games industry is not a, a place for re- routine jobs uh, anyway, right? So you always have movement. You always have things to, to kind of work on and look forward to. Yes, absolutely. And the fact that you've mentioned the human interaction is super important, especially those days that, you know, you're working in the part of the industry that is so much focused on like communicating through the, through the brand, through the products, etc. So the communication in the team is crucial, I, I believe, for what you're doing. Yeah, certainly. Um, and it's, uh, you know, most like most games um, studios or um, most games companies in the communication uh, department and marketing department, we're very loud, right? <laughs> so you've got you've got like, uh, you know, the, the section of the office that, that you're in and, and you can always tell where marketing is. Yeah. Like in every building, because we're true. the loudest ones. <laughs> Of course, you need to brainstorm, you know, you need to like um, express your ideas. So everything is justified, I believe. (laughs) Also, you know, I'm saying that I'm saying that also because I'm a part of, you know, the marketing (laughs) bit. So I just have to, you know, justify it myself. (laughs) (laughs) Totally understandable. For sure. (laughs) All right. So um, I believe that this part of the communication is something you like very much about your job but what else do you like the most about what you're doing right now so first first of all i absolutely love my team they're amazing like they make even you know at every single job wherever you go there are going to be some sometimes where where things can get a little bit challenging and you have to work really quickly with people to uh, to make sure that that you know, something happens um, right or, or if there's a problem that you solve the problem. And at that point, it's very important to be working with people that are like-minded, that they're, um, they always look at that as a, as just, you know, it's something that needs to happen. It's something we need to, we need to find a, a, a way to, to move forward with, uh, right? And, and when you, when you have conversations with people that are taking that from such a positive point of view, and you're kind of laughing, you know, laughing all the time, like, okay, so, all right, let's see what we can do. What can we do about this? Or you just kind of chat a little bit about maybe things that are happening in your, in your personal life are not necessarily work-related or affecting work, but you just want to blow off a little bit of steam and just, uh, just speak to them. It's, it's so important to have a tight, um, tightly uh, knitted team and, and, and people that you love working with. And I absolutely love, uh, love my guys and girls. They're, they're incredible. So that's one. Um, and then kind of more focused about the actual role, there, there's two elements <laughs> that I really, uh, really like, I very much enjoy. So one is the strategy elements of it. So mm-hmm. it's very, very cool to work with the development teams very closely to help translate their vision for the game into a forward-facing marketing strategy. Um, and there's also the uh, the ever you know ever present learning and teaching elements as well. So you know we're always we're all always learning. There's there's things. That, mm-hmm. that, however good you are at something, you know there's always something more to learn and something to improve. So that's that's very, always very important to me. Um, and the teaching elements, it's uh, it's kind of how rewarding it is to 
pass on your knowledge and experience to newer team members or to people that are just coming into the industry, coming into that role and uh, to saying, okay, so this is what I've accumulated with my years of experience. Take it, take mm-hmm. it so that you know what it is. <laughs> and then you work with a good basis on, and, and you figure out how you want to improve on that yourself. So I, I find those those things very fascinating and, and very rewarding. Yeah, this is great what you've mentioned about, you know, translating the uh, project to the well, more marketing strategy. Um, this is something that I find truly unique for gaming industry because you need to build the communication around something that is interactive itself. And there is like so many facets of the same, of the same product that it's always a challenge to build it in the way that is approachable for people. It's also exciting for them and like don't, doesn't overwhelm them with the amount of content so yeah kudos for doing that yeah it's a fine it's a fine art isn't it (laughs) in a way (laughs) exactly exactly absolutely absolutely and you sound extremely passionate about uh, gaming industry and i know you are but you've started in the music industry so why did you decide to transition to gaming so um music Music and games have always been kind of dual passions of mine. So I really uh, always, uh, since I was you know very young, I was playing tons of games, um, and I also I also really uh, enjoyed uh, music. So my, my father was a composer, so music was something that I grew up in, uh, you know, in, in a musical household, um, and it was very. Uh, they were both very important parts of my life growing up, and the reason why I started out in the music industry really is that I didn't actually realize I could have a career in games. So so it was it was like a conscious decision. I want to do something I'm very passionate about. I'm just going to go into the music industry and and work on that. And then it was it was years later um uh, when the music industry wasn't in a really good place. Um there was uh, a lot of things that weren't going well for uh, for them at that at that time, um, the the market was falling at a rapid rate, and companies weren't really doing so well. So I'd started thinking maybe I should do something different. Now I was there; I was working in the music business for about ten years, so um, it was a good time. It felt like um, you know, it felt like I was coming to to the end of that, and I, and I wanted to do something that I was really passionate about. So it was a very active. Um, active thinking it's like what can I do next and where can I work next and still games were not on the forefront of my mind with it um and I always credit oh, and I will always credit Mass Effect 2 for this because it was <laughs> such an incredible experience and I it was I don't know, like three in the morning or something I was finishing the game and watching the credits roll and feeling like so accomplished in it. And I'm like, okay, so maybe this is something I can do. Like maybe I can be <laughs> part of a team that brings impactful game experiences to people's lives. Um, and that was it. That was that was the turning point for me. That's great to hear, especially the part um, that, you know, you weren't, well, the whole story is, um, is great because you had um, a lot of experience in music prior to entering the gaming industry. But I believe that this part about, you know, knowing the opportunities, it's something that is, it's our role now to educate others that there are so many ways that they can contribute to the gaming, to, to the process of develop, developing a game, um, that it not necessarily has to be related to creating the product itself, but marketing, HR, legal. I think that's very important that we show those opportunities, right? Yeah, I completely agree with you. 
And I think it's because um, you know I'm a bit older now. So when I was when I was growing up in in Greece in the in the eighties, um, game video games were a very um, male hobby. Mm-hmm. You know, it was something for mm-hmm. boys to do, and uh, very very few girls did it. In fact, I can't remember of a single girl as I was growing up that was <laughs> also yeah. playing um, playing games and and you know talking about it. We kind of kept it secret because girls would laugh at us boys would laugh at us and and it was like okay so i just really like it i'm just gonna keep doing it yeah um so it is important it is important for us to um to kind of stand up tell our stories and i think you're doing that so incredibly well with uh, it's her game uh podcast um because you can you can show um girls today that if this is what you like to do if this is what you want to do you can do it and you don't have to go into it from from a from a development point of view or from an art point of view or from a marketing point of view like anything that you want to study and you want to do can bring you into the games industry mm-hmm. from a different angle so and it's you know it's here for you to explore essentially absolutely i couldn't agree more with that and um thank you for your kind words as well i'm i i just think that you know to build the role models for the future um, generation of for the current generation of the future leaders, um, I believe, yeah, we all contribute to to achieving that. So um, thank you for being a part of that. <laughs> and uh, and considering your experience in the music industry, how does it influence your current role? So um, in the music industry, I had a very hands-on uh, role. So I I went I went in through a variety of um, of positions there. Right. So I started as a coordinator in the marketing department. I did a lot. I was a press officer, and a PR manager, then a product manager. So a kind of a, a radio and promo manager for a, for you know a period as well. So what what I've learned out of that. From a from a very young age, so I got into that when I was about eighteen. Um, so I met and work with very influential, very famous, and very demanding people from a very young age. So I was exposed to that really, really early on. Um, and it's a very fast-paced industry. There's plenty of live elements. Um, either you know, you're know you on a TV show and then it's live and it's happening at that moment, or you're in a concert and, and you have to do some things ahead of it and during it and after it. It requires a lot of diplomacy, um, a lot of speed, and a lot of flexibility. And that has um, has made me you know, has developed me into an, a very able, agile problem solver, um, and that's an important um, it's an important skill to have, not just in the games industry, but everywhere uh, you are, right? Because uh, essentially, when you, you when you're in a in any position um, you have, you need to have that uh, that uh, flexibility and that ability to problem solve. When we say problems, in in this case, doesn't necessarily mean that something is going wrong. But you know that you need to kind of overcome a situation or plan ahead or all of those things. Um, so it's definitely it's definitely helped me a lot have to have that to have had that experience in in the music industry because I know like right now I'm, I'm very fast I'm very diplomatic you know I know how mm-hmm. to I know how to handle um, a situation that that requires very fast decisions and very fast um, changes. Um, and also how to work with talent, um, at a, and, and, you know, talent is very, very important in, in games as well as, as it is in music. 
Yes, Marilena, it's wonderful to hear how comfortable you move between music and gaming. It looks like it's just your place. But I wanted to ask you about something I found out um, while digging deeper in your past, and it's your dissertation topic that refers to both of these areas too. So it looks like music and video games were always uh, somewhere there. And the topic was music in video games. Can gaming provide the music industry with a new area for product diversification and artist promotion? So what do you think? Can it do it? Is it still relevant? So uh, first of all, it's amazing you found the dissertation, right? I was like, what? Unbelievable. I read that like when, when you first mentioned it. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> People have actually, they can find it. <laughs> they can read through it. So, <laughs> Oh, yes, absolutely. You can endorse me later for the research <laughs> skills on LinkedIn, right? <laughs> so uh, so when I wrote that, um, we were just, I think, just a little bit behind the curve for it. I, In short, yes, I, st- I still believe it can. Um, it's all about how you approach it. So uh, music from games... Uh, it's very popular. So if you look at things like the Distant Worlds uh, concerts or kind of increasing sales of music soundtracks, and, and that has been growing as a niche uh, lately quite a lot, then you see that, yes, there is there's a really clear link there between the two industries. It's a little bit different when you want to use a game to promote and set up an artist, though. That that was where that was the missing link when I was uh, doing my research back then. And there are a few test cases now. You know, mostly with sports games, you've got NBA 2K, uh, where artists want to debut their songs um, in the game and then get uh, get the, the the visibility and the success from that. Um, but I still think it's very much an area to do, to explore and develop further. Um, and, and I think that when you're, you know, as we're looking at games becoming grander and grander narrative experiences, we might see more development in that area, um, as well with maybe original songs that are created bespoke for, for games and then are used as a secondary promotional tool, um, et cetera. I'm really impressed by the fact that you caught on that trend, you know, um, a few years back. Uh, and now what absolutely, absolutely blow my mind when it comes to music in uh, video games is the fact that, you know, artists are actually making the uh, music shows inside the game, like Travis Scott in Fortnite. That was something, um, absolutely, amazing for me what do you think about this uh, it's it's just it's mind-blowing isn't it it's you, you see um you actually see there's uh, the correlation there is a lot stronger the link between the fans of the like of the game and the fans of the music are are kind of aligning um that was that was one element that when i had originally looked into this uh was a little bit unclear you know because you you couldn't you know you had fans of a game but the fans of a game were so diverse in their music taste that you couldn't necessarily put something in there or use an artist for that game that would link uh very well with the uh, with the audience so it's it's to, it's to find an audience that 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 has an overlap large enough for mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. artist to fit in um, well. So I think I think that Fortnite is uh, definitely breaking boundaries in a few uh, in a few ways. Right, the way that they're they're doing their um, brand collaborations lately as well is very impressive. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. It's interesting what you've mentioned about you know the target group that um, we're looking from the perspective that they all play Fortnite, but they're like 
there are so many players, what means that there are so many like music tastes behind that it's really interesting point to uh, to consider um, looking at this example. Yeah, for sure. It's it's you're looking at games. Fortnite is such a massive game. You've got millions of people playing Fortnite. Um, you look at it from a music point of view, and you probably wouldn't be able to isolate a genre that that the majority of them like. So, exactly. so we're, the 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 size of the artist, like the 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 recognizability and the the popularity of the artist that goes into Fortnite to do something like that, has to be um, quite wide. Definitely. And yeah, coming back to, to your experience, you are in Frontier for over two years. And um, during that time, you have acted as head of two departments, well, both in the marketing field, but first you were head of communication and then you are head of branding. Why do you think it is important to separate those roles in gaming company? I love that question so much. Um, <laughs> so, so these roles are, um, they have an overlapping scope. They're, they're very different roles, but they have an overlapping scope. So heads of communications um, look specifically into communication strategy and tactics on a deep level. So you've got, you know, a narrow scope, but it goes very, very deep. Um, and it's a more specialized role in, in, in that sense. Heads of brand marketing look at the wider picture. So it's a wider scope, but it doesn't doesn't dive as deep because then you have like uh, individual teams that that um, that do that. So it incorporates elements of communication strategy, of course, but also brand development, marketing strategy, partnerships, product management, um, etc. So if you were to think about the two roles, um, they would be on a different parts of a matrix. So a head of brand marketing would be on a on a vertical slice. So it kind of touches on many different departments. And the head of comms would be on a horizontal um, slice, let's say, and they would look more into different ways of uh, incorporating various communication elements um, to deliver a plan. So would you consider saying that the communication is somehow a part of branding or they act as a two, sep not separate, but two equal um, bodies? Yes, I would say they're equally significant for um, mm -hmm. uh, for a campaign or for a company, you know, um, to have. Uh, I personally enjoyed them both uh, both very much. Um, they're just looking at it, they're just looking at things from a different different angle. Um, that's it. So so there is a part of branding that requires communications, but it's not the full extent of it. So it doesn't in incorporate the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying that, because I believe that for people who are just about to enter the industry and uh, consider working in marketing uh, sector, that might not necessarily be clear from the very beginning. What are the um, distinctions, the different, uh, yeah, the differences? Sorry, between um, those two. So, yeah, thank you for um, you know making that a little bit clear for those who are listening. It's, it's also very <laughs> important to note uh, that. Title, so titles um, are very different from company to company and responsibilities are very different. So in some companies, a head of brand marketing might not touch communications at all. Um, and in another company, it might incorporate communications completely. And then head of communications in some companies uh, like encompasses both corporate and forward facing and some others not. So it's very it's dependent on the on the job description for that particular company and how they define um, comms and brand marketing. Yes, definitely. And, you know, following on that, what would you say are the key challenges for game brand managers? 
So uh, for for brand managers, um, it's always you know it's always about how many moving parts you've got, how many stakeholders um, are involved um, in, in kind of brand strategy or in a brand in general. And there's more stakeholders if you're talking about an IP that's licensed, less if you're talking about an IP that's being developed internally. But uh, what they would need to be is good communicators, uh, diplomatic, flexible, adaptable. Um, attentive to detail is very important as well. Protective of the brand, uh, especially when you're first building a brand, um, and uh, goal-oriented. Uh, that's that's you know the not necessarily challenges, but you know how you would overcome challenges that arise. That you need to have like a combination of those skills, and then and it's very it's very very key um, to be able to build a, a good network with good communication throughout the stakeholders and, and keep it as open um, as possible. All right. So that was from the brand manager perspective. And what about the key challenges or the way to overcome them for the communication manager in gaming industry? So one, and it's because our industry is very tech savvy, right? Um, keeping up with trends in the in the communications landscape is very important. People communicate and get their information from different, um, like, different routes these days you've got it used to be back you know when the earth was flat and, and dinosaurs roamed the earth and i was mm -hmm. doing this job hands-on mm -hmm. um <laughs> it was more about uh making sure that the, the pr was uh, was strong that the media and uh, what you got out in the media was um at a, you know that came at the right time and had the right messages there etc as as you know we've developed more and more you now see that we've got multiple um multiple means of getting that information you have your traditional uh media you've got um community it's um, significant so significant for um for anything that you, we want to do in the game space we need to look to our community and and nurture them and uh, keep them informed and, and um, engaged. Um, and you also have uh, areas like, you know, Discord and content creators on, on Twitch and on YouTube. So keeping up with trends in the comms landscape, very, very important for communications managers. Um, a lot of what communications is about is um, risk assessment and, and crisis prevention and language. It's It sounds very basic but words carry a lot of weight especially in forward-facing communications they we need to be very very careful that you're being clear with with your language because um if it's misinterpreted it's really difficult to turn that around yeah absolutely it's always easier to you know think twice prior to something than then act uh you know double with, with the doubled energy after it yeah, happens exactly. So, yeah exactly i think it's very crucial <laughs> So what do you think? Uh, I'll ask this question because I know that uh, many people who are working on their own titles, their own games, they might not necessarily know um, when to start to communicate the game that they are developing. So what do you think from your perspective when these marketing activities should start for the game that is um, under development? So this is very... Um very dependent on the brand and on on the case that you're talking about there's no um, there's no recipe for for success like you could just kind of 
copy from one title to the next. Uh, so some some titles should be announced as soon as they go into development. Um, there are other factors that uh, that dictate the prudence of that approach. Um, some other titles you'd need about a year to set up properly, and some other titles need very short and high impact campaigns to be successful. So I'd say if we're looking for an average, the average should be about six months. But you really need to look at first the the, the marketing vision, the brand vision for um, for your title, um, your audience, uh, your like the market landscape, the opportunities that you've got there, and based on that decide how long the campaign should be how much do you have to talk about you know if you're if you have a massive open uh world uh rpg you might need longer to uh, properly um inform people of what is included in there to the degree that builds that hype and anticipation for launch if you have a like a platformer maybe you need three months um but it's yes, it's very very important uh not to not to tie your campaign to a specific length of time before you you break down the the you put down the foundations of what is the game about, what is the brand strategy going to be, what is the vision, um, and what is the goal we want to achieve. Yeah. So from uh, what you're saying, um, would that be correct to say that it all starts with you know evaluation, research, and planning instead of just you know um, launching all the social media and doing oh, it? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, it's kind of what you see coming out um, into like the public facing. That's the that's the tip of the iceberg of um, <laughs> of the marketing strategy and what's gone on behind the scenes for however many months um, uh, ahead of time, right? Uh, strategy has to come um, first. Well, rather, the vision needs to come first. So you need to speak to, have a really close collaboration with the, the development team um, so that you can develop together. Um, sorry for the pun. It was completely unintentional. <laughs> so you can, you can work together <laughs> okay. uh, to develop um, to de okay. develop a vision that, that properly touches on, on every single point. And based on that, you develop a strategy and then you break the strategy down into tactics. And then you break each of these tactics into actionable items and then you go ahead and do it. So you have to kind of do everything. Um, everything needs to link back to uh, to your plan, everything needs to deliver um, what you you know a little bit at a time to get you to your end goal. Yeah, I think this is very important. What you've uh, what you've explained here that you know there is whole strategy and then there are tactics and actionable points. Because I see many people starting from the actionable uh, the action points like let's set up Facebook account you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and then to the top like what they're gonna communicate through that. And tr I I believe it should be other way that you as like you adjust the communication channels to the message that you want to send and to the people that you want that's, to upload. Definitely. Um, I'm absolutely yeah. in agreement with you on that. And there's a case. Um, so you see a lot of you see a lot of companies, not not games companies um, in particular, but there there are many there are many companies that have just kind of opened a Twitter channel, regardless of what their um, product is or what what they want to communicate. Like there's a I think there was a Twitter channel for bread at some point, like for a bread company. Okay. And, and I was I was looking through it and thinking. Okay, so why why is this channel open? And it, it felt at that point, it was years ago, so it felt at that point very much like it was 
just following a trend without having a strategy behind it. Um, and those things, it's not that they don't, you know, that it's bad to have them. It's just they're a bit short-lived and it, they don't necessarily, they're not necessarily worth the time that you put, put behind them. Um, unless you just want to test something. And that's perfectly fine to do in a, in a marketing campaign as well. You just test something and see, does it work as you wanted it to or does it not? So, Yeah, definitely. And uh, like coming back to your experience, which game project you worked on was the biggest challenge for you up to date? The biggest, so I'm, I've um, I've thought about this very long and, and, and hard. And the biggest challenge for me was uh, when I was working for my previous company, Koitekmo, uh, I worked on a, a game called Neo, an amazing, fantastic game. Um, very kind of great massacre experience. And, um, you know, you played this... Um, This, this this person who was uh, shipwrecked in Japan and it's like 16th century, I think you had to go through and learn all of the kind of personalities, um, historical personalities of the time and um, uh, work your way up to becoming a samurai. And it was very... Uh, very difficult game to play, a technically difficult game to play because it's a massacre game. And I had to, I got the, I got the early, uh, like the early code and I had to play through a couple of levels and I had to get to a good enough um, mastery level so that I could present it to, um, to partners. I could, I could kind of present it whilst talking about it at the same time. And <laughs> I, I was at the office until like 10, 11 o'clock at night because, of course, you couldn't, you can't take the code out of the building, right? It's very, very sensitive at that time. Playing through it, I kept losing. Um, and because then I had to practice, first I had to practice the stage, then I had to kind of get it to a level, to a degree where I was kind of flying through it. And then I had to do it whilst talking. <laughs> and then I had talking. to do it whilst <laughs> talking and answering questions. So I was on the call with uh, with the creative director um, at some point, and I'm like, "Please, please send me a god code. I can't do this." Yeah. He's like, "Yeah, you can do it. You can do it. Just keep playing." I was yes. like, "All right, I'll go back." <laughs> It's great. I did it in yes. the end. Um, it, it did. It did cost us a couple of controllers. Congratulations! <laughs> I did it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes, uh, absolutely. I'm impressed because at some point I had to um, do a similar thing for the horror game um, at the company I previously worked at. And um, like to just uh, make the situation clear, I'm terribly scared of oh, horrors, no. you know, and I was saying that and they were all those like jump scares and you had to shoot the opponents in the same time and uh, it was on the press conference so I had to reply to the questions and you know like, that was the plan but in the end I've managed to you know I, I was so miserable at that that they just uh, sent the producer <laughs> to play the game and I was answering <laughs> so I you know I didn't complete this quest of mine <laughs> as well as you did but I can totally relate. Uh, certainly not an easy thing to do um yeah have a have a lot of uh a lot of admiration for people that can do it regularly because it took me so much uh time and practice yeah and i and I, you know what i don't think i could do it for the second Absolutely. level because i just practiced that one that one level yeah. over and over again yeah, yeah exactly. exactly yeah it's like from my perspective sorry perspective a huge kudos to all the live streamers oh, yes. i don't know how yes, to do that yes you're right you know? that's <laughs> like absolutely right <laughs> 
Exactly. Okay, so what genre of game would you like to work on the most in the so future? So I'll just pick one that I've never actually worked on before. Um, but I absolutely love. So like a narrative-driven action RPG, that would be incredible. Um, I just... It, yeah, that well, you know, like it, it, it would be because it has like it's completely. As I said, I haven't worked on a on a narrative driven action RPG um, before, uh, so that that would be one thing. You know, I'll, I'll need to go into a completely different mindset. Um, but it's just I, I really love it as a game genre, so I'd be very excited to uh, at some point uh, perhaps work on a game like that. Amazing! Looking forward to hearing about that. So yeah, fingers crossed for this um, for this plan. And um, two more questions. So one is, uh, which woman in gaming industry do you think uh, deserve a shout out? Um, maybe you know someone who you think is great um, and doesn't, you know, speak about it uh, enough. Uh, who would you who would you give a you know spotlight here? That is a great question. Um... I do have, yeah, so I say one person that is uh, absolutely amazing. I've worked with, um, I've worked with her before uh, and she's now moved into a, into another company and she's been an inspiration for me really, uh, both when we were working together and since is uh, Natalia Siluk. Uh, she's at Shark Mode now in, uh, in Sweden, but yeah, that definitely Definitely, Natalia is uh, is an incredible, um, incredible force, incredible person, uh, and colleague in the in the games industry. And um, which part of uh, well, fr- from which perspective she's contributing to, to gaming, whether she's in the marketing or any other um, sector? She, yeah, she's in she's in uh, marketing product uh, product marketing as well. So we, when we worked together, um, she was uh, head of product. Uh, I think she's doing something similar now. I'm not entirely sure of her mm-hmm. of her job title, but um, yeah. So from a marketing point of view, she's uh, yeah, she's pretty amazing. Amazing, thank you. And the really last question: Could you give a piece of advice for a girl who wants to start her career in gaming industry, specifically in the marketing role? I'd say, you know, let nothing stop you. If this is what you want to do, well, you know, we'll find a way to to get to that point. Don't don't stop at the first um, hurdle. There's always a different way. There's always a way to get to to the point you want to get to. Um, nobody can nobody can tell you whether you can do it or whether you can't. That's that's for you to dictate what you can do and what you can't. Amazing. I love to hear that from uh, from my guests because this is so authentic considering the story behind those words. So uh, thank you. Thank you for the advice and thank you for being here uh, recording this episode and, you know, being the part of building this um, this understanding of the gaming industry among girls um, and anyone who's listening to this podcast. So thank you, Marilena. It was a great pleasure to have you here. Likewise, Dominica, this has been a real pleasure for me. I hope uh, everybody gets a little bit something out of our conversation, but surely I've enjoyed it very much. Thank you. Thank you for being here today. No matter where in the world or at what point of your career stage you are, I'm truly curious about what this podcast brings to you today. Was it a spark of inspiration for your next project? A much-needed kick to send this one more application for a dreams job position? Or maybe we simply had a chance to accompany you in your morning coffee routine. Connect with me via email or on Twitter and share your thoughts. 
Make sure you also like It's Her Game page on Facebook and follow the Instagram account It's Her Game Lodash Podcast for exclusive content and to make sure you won't miss the next episode. Have a wonderful day. Bye!